This is about humans dreaming together. About humans supporting each other on our journeys. It's about the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. To the students of life. The young and the curious. The dreamers and the doers. To those who crave to be a strong individual. And want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast. Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast, everyone. Dreamology is the study of the art and the science behind making our dream lives a reality. And on this show, we are focused on giving you the mindset, tools, and strategies for making daily progress towards your dreams, no matter where you are in your journey. My name is Tim Bishop. I am the co-founder of the Dreamers Initiative, a student of life, and a life conversation junkie who is on a mission to identify how to truly live the dream life and help you do the same. The guests on this show include best-selling authors, neuroscientists, entrepreneurs, and just dream chasers out in the world who share their knowledge, greatest stories, and life lessons with us. And before we dig in, I want to mention this podcast is brought to us by The Dreamers Initiative, a personal development community for helping Gen Z and millennials awaken their dream life and make them a reality. We believe humans are stronger together and that together we can accomplish anything. Let's get started on today's episode. Today's guest is the best-selling author of Screw Being Shy, the host of the top 100 global podcast, Humans 2.0, a TEDx speaker, a researcher, a entrepreneur, and really everything, all the above, incredible human being, Mark Metry. Mark was 15 years old when he first started his entrepreneurial journey, but his life truly changed at the age of 18 when he was on the verge of suicide and he committed his life to transformation and growth. And now, just at the age of 22 years old, he runs multiple successful businesses, the podcast, like I said, and he's working on many, many other things. And so I'm so excited to have Mark on the show today to talk a lot about the biochemistry of the body, talk about the relationship between pain, purpose, and pleasure, and really talk about all things in regards to mental health, brain health, and how we can optimize that to truly live an amazing experience. So with that being said, please enjoy this conversation with Mark Metry. Dude, how are you doing today? Thanks for coming on. Bro, I'm literally like having an out-of-body experience right now because <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday and you know I get to sit in my house and... Um, I just get to do what I use, what I do for, for a living. Like today I woke up, just kind of like existed, did some things, uh, kind of hustled early in the morning, um, had breakfast with my family, had a, had a TEDx meeting, and then now I'm doing a ton of these podcasts and um, I'm literally just talking about my life. <laughs> it's a dream, bro. And, just what, and just what I've learned and just what I love talking about. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's literally awesome, man. So, um, I'm just so grateful to be in this position. Dude, right <laughs> on, man. I'm grateful that you're here, man. I feel the same every day. These are the best parts of my day. So, uh, let's get cooking, man. We'll get right Woo. into it. Um, all right. So this is something that I feel like, you know, you wouldn't have been self, maybe too self war on back in the day, but now I feel like you might have some perspective on this. So you're a child of immigrants from Egypt and yeah. I'm curious, like, at a very young age, I mean, you were getting into entrepreneurial endeavors like by the age of like seven, eight. Like, how do you right. think being a child of an immigrant just impacted the way you were and the way you viewed life from like a super young age? Yeah, hundred percent, man. And I've actually never been asked this question, but I just give this answer because it's so important. You know, for me, like my parents came two years before I was born in 1995 from Egypt, and they came here with you know two hundred dollars in their pocket, and how did they yeah, get right. here, just out of curiosity? They, they won a green card lottery. That's insane. Yeah. And so when <laughs> I think about that, I mean, that just blows my mind. And the fact that, you know, I, I also have a sister and she was alive then. And, um, you know, they, my parents just kind of came here, left everything, left their families, all they knew. Mm -hmm. And they just came to like this random country. And I mean, dude, this was, 
I mean, you got to think about it. this is like what? Like 19, they left 1995. I mean, right. yeah, so there was for sure that it's not like that long ago, but it's like. That's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is before like you could go on YouTube and look up what America looks like. You know what I, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's such a faith-based. Google Maps didn't exist. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I mean, that to me is crazy without a cell phone. That's, I'm like, what? And so, um. <laughs> And so, you know, I grew up in that environment and my parents had a massive heart and, um, but, but for sure, like, um, my dad always, always worked. So I would wake up in the morning, I would see him in the morning, but then I wouldn't see him until the next morning. Um, and so that was my life for, for, for a while, especially in terms of my parents. And so I definitely think that I learned the hustle and hard work for sure with my dad. And it wasn't necessarily because he told me, but just through seeing it. For sure. And then for sure, I also feel like I also developed kind of like a lot of the more softer sides of being highly emotional, being highly perceptive from my mom. And so I definitely think that combination has brought me to um, where I am today for sure. Yeah. Dude, I feel like mine's the same way. Like <laughs> I learned the the hard work and the business mind from my dad and then the empathy and all, um, you know, the compassion from my mother as well too. It's, so yeah, that's, I mean, cause that's like a point I want to get into here, which is, yeah, you know, there's been in my life, I've had a lot of people and like, I've never, I mean, I've had my own battles with, with mental health and anxieties and that mostly came in the last couple of years out of just the uncertainty of what is life and <laughs> started to open myself up to some things but you know I've had some really close people in my life who have like missed years of school and I you know went on mission trips when I was younger and I felt like I just grew this deep empathy for for people and I'm you know mm -hmm. I know you had this experience for a lot of your life where you you know were struggling with mental health issues and you can dive into it and and even autoimmune diseases and, and different things like that. But, you know, for people who haven't gone through that or people who have gone through that, can you just explain to me like what that felt like, like what, what a day to day, like feelings were like in your brain and, and how, you know, how did that, how is that different from now? Like how you have an outlook on the world? Okay. So this is it, bro. This is, so the reason why this is happening. Okay. The reason why that so many of people like us that are super young, are growing up with these issues is for a few reasons okay number one it's never been a more confusing time to be a human being we have never Facts. gotten to a place <laughs> where we have enough money even though you know you might not have that much money but just the level of wealth in the world and opportunities and and options and choices and paths there's so many different paths and religions and cultures and beliefs we have access to everything, all of that now. And so when you think about it, it's never been a more confusing time to be a human being. You know, if you were born like 50 years ago, 100 years ago, I mean, you grew up in your town, you talked to the people that you talked to, you went to the church that you went to, you, there was no other path that you could possibly go down. But now, you know, we have reached a level where we as a society, when you look at sort of the needs of a human being, uh, Maslow's hierarchy, and where the bottom needs are all about like survival of like food, shelter, hydration, sleep, um, just to think oxygen, you know what I mean? Like just, mm -hmm. the, just the bare necessities. Sure. When you look at that, our world, our societies throughout thousands of years have been trying to achieve that if we could get to a society where we could provide this for everyone. And I mean, for sure, there are definitely hungry people in the world. But I mean, if you live in a Western or a, or a developed nation, I mean, that probably doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, you, you get a job, you make money. Yeah, you could basically get enough money to just pass by, make enough to just get food, mm -hmm. eat something, live somewhere. And so that happens because our society um, was geared up for that. But now, for the most part, we've basically done that. And what are the other needs? They're much more complicated, not complicated, mm. but they're much more human things like our relationships, uh, self-esteem, um, uh, you know, how we think about ourselves in the world, um, our mindset, our beliefs, all these different kinds of things. And so our world was not created to help people achieve this. 
it's created to help people achieve this. And so all of our schools, most of our organizations, most of the structures in our society are not helping people with this problem. And so you get an 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old guy or girl. And now we're like, wait, I mean, wait, what the hell is happening? We have so many access to options. <laughs> we have more things to do. Like, it, dude, if you and I were alive, like not that long ago, like 50 years ago, we would all be sent to the army, to the military, the mandatory draft. And a lot of countries, for example, Egypt, they actually still have that mandatory conscription. When you graduate high school, you have to go into the military. And so, I mean, that's what we would be doing with our lives. And the matter of the fact is, is there are much worse problems out there than as, sucks, as much as it says anxiety and depression than when your entire country is at war and people are killing each other and other planes are dropping bombs and stuff. And so just, you know, the reason why this is happening now is just because our world is in a completely different place. Human life used to be not valued. I mean, like we, we think that um, in World War II, governments were dropping bombs on civilian cities that's no respect for human value. Like if that happened now, the entire world would just destroy that country. And so um, that's the way that life used to be for a long time. And so our societies are not, and the way that our human brain works to value human perception and to look at more complex issues like mental health and the fact that 800,000 people every year commit suicide. I mean, our society was just not geared up for that. For sure. So for sure. that's the way that I kind of think about this. And, um, you know, really, man, um, the way that I felt was um, uh, about nine, 10 years old, I remember um, moving to a different area uh, out of Boston, out of the city, and into the more suburb, super small town, like 5,000 people. Um, the thing about that place was there was no diversity there whatsoever. And so basically, it was me and a couple, maybe a couple other families in that entire town and that entire school that weren't, you know, didn't look like everyone else that weren't Caucasian, that weren't white. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and also, you know, at this time, basically, I mean, the world was just kind of recovering from, you know, a post 9-11 environment. And so, um, you know, the Middle Eastern brand, you know, and perception definitely declined. And, For sure. um, you know, I remember just, seeing a ton of and enduring a ton of racism people call me like a sand nigger like we're gonna we're gonna kill you uh you're a terrorist you're gonna kill everyone just like a ton of things bullying uh, and also at that same time like you said developing kind of like those autoimmune health disorders that really place boundaries around my energy really just put me in this environment this mindset where my default mode just just like began to think like you know people like people were just like out to get me. Uh, I started to live on like a very low level of just like every classroom or every environment I was in. It was always just like, you know, that had other people. It was always just like, put your head down, don't talk, do the least amount of work or effort possible to just survive and get by. And I remember, you know, that being my life for like 10 years. And um, as a result of that, I don't, I don't really have any friends. Uh, I didn't really play any sports. I didn't do anything group related at all um i um you know definitely had other issues too but um you know that was basically my life and so uh with that level of pain what a lot of people don't understand is that uh, anxiety you know anxiety is not inherently bad and anxiety is not inherently wrong um anxiety is an emotion i don't think emotions are inherently good or bad but um I began to, um, you know, harness this energy of anxiety, but also at a cost. And so that's where kind of like the entrepreneurial ventures really began to hmm. you know, keep going. Yeah. Like a lot of people think that you can't make a lot of money if you don't have the right mindset or you can't be successful financially speaking if you don't. Mm -hmm. But that's totally BS because you could, but you're always operating at a cost. And so, you know, as I began to play that out, like, I remember launching like my first like real legitimate entrepreneurial successful venture at 15 made me six figures, hundreds of thousands of dollars doing what I wanted to do. Wasn't some stupid thing or something that was boring, um, mostly automated. And, um, 
And, um, and, you know, I just kind of did that. And then later the way that my life unfolded was by me kind of realizing some of my issues and by realizing I had mental health issues and not really knowing how to get out of it. Um, and you know, having depression, having anxiety, but I was still super successful. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, dude. it's interesting. That's crazy. I, I mean, I, so I worked with a few executive coaches this past summer and, and so it goes to your point, like they were saying, you don't know how many successful people we work with who are just so unhappy with their life because they've never dove into what's in their head and what's actually going to make them happy. So it's totally true. I mean, you can achieve insane financial success. Can I give you a metaphor? And yeah, for sure. Go for so it. I heard this. So I heard this from uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast with Dr. Peter Atia. And they were talking about, like, they were describing this in, in the relationship with mental health. And they were saying that, like, so essentially, like, you know, we all have, like, our own controlled desires. Think, like, we are at way to do things. And that's, like, our hand. And then we also have, like, this raw, primal, like, force, our talent. Like, just who we are at our core. Mm-hmm. And that gives us power. And so it's, like, it's almost like holding a knife. It's almost like... You know, imagine if this was a blade, I'm not holding <laughs> up a blade. Um, and like, that's your ability to cut through things and do things in the world. And so you're holding that with your hand and you're cutting, but you know, the blade is also cutting back into your hand too. And it mm. harms you. But as you begin to learn how to operate in the world, as you begin to learn different tools, tactics, ways, conceptualizations, do different ways of thinking that begins to install and build almost like a handle for your knife. And then now you have a handle for your knife and now you can use it and it doesn't hurt you back or not as much at least. Right. So that's the way that I kind of think about like hard work, entrepreneurship, and also things like mental health, because like you said, I know so many people and I know so many other people that have literally had hundreds of millions of dollars, billionaires that have been literally about to kill themselves. And so, you know, we see this every day and it's so sad because, you know, this is also a narrative that I believe this is kind of like the, the, like the American dream of like, go, 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 go to school, do whatever, get a degree, get a, go to corporation, get a job, work your mm-hmm. way up, make enough money and then buy a house, get married, get a dog. And then you'll be happy. You know, like all your <laughs> just not the way. And so I think at a fundamental level, our societies are just not engineered to work with our modern lifestyle. And as somebody that has really studied anxiety and I, you know, I think you mentioned my, I have a book coming out called screw being shy, learn how to manage social anxiety and be yourself in front of anyone. When I really dove into anxiety, you really learn that you know, it's not as simple as saying this, but it is a product of a glitchy nervous system in today's modern environment, interacting with various feedback loops to do that. Because this is what happens. Going back to what I said about Maslow's hierarchy and the pyramid, you know, people mostly have their survival needs met, but our societies haven't been teaching people on how to really, really focus on more important, bigger, deeper topics that we should be talking about. And so what begins to happen is people get this, but now they're like, like I said, what the hell do I do now with my life? And so people begin to ask themselves bigger questions, but they might be in stress. They might be in discomfort. And so what begins to happen is they begin to try to lean on a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so also at the same time, you know, in our world today, in this modern world, we are also in the land of so much fortune and so much opportunity and so much options. And so you could literally buy anything you want to. You could get anything you want to. You could literally um, you know, open your phone and have access to literally millions of videos of like HD pornography, of things that you would probably never see. You could buy whatever you want. You could order whatever kind of food delivery that can come to you at your house. And so you could order whatever drugs you want. You can get whatever alcohol you want. You could literally escape into Netflix and have unlimited things to watch. You could never finish whatever's on Netflix for your entire existence. Virtual reality, so bro. Think, even go virtual reality. <laughs> bro, dude, what is, 
I thought <laughs> I had my VR headset over here, but, um, but yeah, a hundred percent. And so you combine those two factors and it's just like, yeah, you're going to get a lot of people who are anxious, mm. depressed, yeah, facing a lot yeah. of these issues for sure. Dude, it's insane because mm -hmm. I just had a feeling we can have similar views on this because that's like exactly how I view it. I'm like view it as there's two parts to the picture here. It's like for the last, you know, hundred or so years, the goal has been to fill the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like that's been exactly how you said it. Like, and that's why like older generations will tell younger generations, like, just be grateful you have a job because like, that's even how their minds think, which is just like, be grateful for the, f and I am like a, the biggest supporter of gratitude. Like, yes, I agree that we should be grateful for everything that we have in the base. But the point where it gets tough and I exactly like view the same way where like the social anxiety hits in is this, the, the top of the pyramid is self-actualization. And I feel like at the end of the day, like, and I, we'll get into this too, because I know you're all about like pursuit, like self-awareness and like figuring out who your authentic self is. But like, that's, you know, that's the part where it's like, okay, I have the base. Now I got to figure out like, here's all these options. Like, who am I? Who are these things? And it's so much easier to like, just like you said, have a short term, like, okay, uh, I'm going to get this job because it makes me feel secure for now. Or I'm going to drink and do this and do that and do that. And none of these things are like, the people doing this aren't bad. I go out sometimes. I do these things. Like, it's not like you're an evil human being, which is understanding like what's happening. You're trying to avoid that bigger question. And over time, like, yeah, it's, it's never, never going to go away. It's never going to go away. You're like, you're always going to want to like solve that. So that's literally exactly how I view like why the amount yeah, of I options mean, and then the fear, the fear of diving, having to dive inward and, and like, figuring that out. I think that, well, I'm curious what you think about that. Like, do you think people are afraid to dive into this? Cause it, it's, it sounds like on a face level, you have to like give up things to like, to like dive in personally and but i feel like you get so much out of life by by diving into that journey but do you think it's fear or do you think it's just like how people are wired so they don't step out of it or like why do you think people don't dive into like some people do but don't dive into like the journey of kind of self-awareness personal development type yeah thing? so i think that you know i talk about this in my book and i don't think any it depends for sure but i don't think any tool or thing is inherently bad for sure you know i think it's a lot about the user and how the user uses that tool or if maybe the tool begins to use the user mm -hmm. and so i think you can do that with anything and so i think it's it's never a question of usually the tool it's usually is this person trying to do this to escape and leave their for responsibilities sure. in their real life to do you know be high for five minutes or to feel this way for a limited amount of temporary mind numbing pleasure. And so um, I think most people get stuck in that. I think most people are lost in the sea of pleasure, especially today. Because the craziest thing is that, you know, for me, like I had a transformation in my life when I was 18 years old. Um, that's where I really began to look at life differently in terms of a lot of these deeper self-actualization things. and. I think a big reason why was because um, I, re I was in access to the pain. And, you know, what I'm talking about is I think about now, now as I'm four or five years into this journey, I think about why didn't I have a transformation moment earlier? Why didn't I transform earlier? And I think a big part of it was, you know, when I did transform, I was in so much pain. You know, I was uh, suicidal at one point. I was super depressed, like I was telling you about. And I was in access to that pain. But when I look at my life previously, I was always trying to escape that pain. And I didn't necessarily think about it. I didn't necessarily, I wasn't conscious of my behavioral patterns. So I remember, you know, when I was in high school, I remember every day when I got out of school, I remember I would go to, whatever like the local fast food um junk food drive through and i would drive through and i would just get like whatever i'd get like whatever hamburgers chicken chicken sandwiches cookies brownies whatever and i do that every single day and looking back at it i realized like the reason why i was doing that was because i was super anxious and i was super stressed out after school mostly because i had social anxiety 
that I just wanted to relieve some of that stress and pain. And so I just went to food. And then this is what happened. So I'm in a level of pain and now I am comforted by this uh, numbing pleasure. And so what begins to happen is, you know, you can get by in your life by, with just pleasure. It's a very low level of existence. You're going to be a very low vibrational being, but you can get by in life just trying to abuse yourself, just trying to push like the pleasure button again and again and again, whether that again is a, through a variety of different ways through, you know, being addicted to food, junk food, uh, sex, um, you know, uh, Netflix, drugs, alcohol, um, you could do that, you know, and sometimes some people hit their limit. They either OD or they um, become super obese or they suffer from some other way and have to heal from that medically sometimes or they break and they die. And, you know, like I said, 800,000 people commit suicide every year. And so I think a lot of people are stuck in like, this like back to Maslow's hierarchy, they're stuck at the bottom. They're stuck in like this gray cloud of just numbing their mind with pleasure, Mm. the lowest form of happiness and satisfaction. And so I think most people are stuck in that. And then I think, um, you know, if you can have access to that pain, um, you know, this is what I realized, man. So, you know, a big reason why I think we have pain in general is because we've been neglecting something for a long time that we've known about ourselves. And I think truth, the truth is so important in life. Um, There's a section in my book called uh, Truth is the Chiropractor of the Mind. And the way to think about truth is like, just like the same way that our skeletal system, our bones, they hold us up. They make sure that like we're working and holding ourselves up. That's the way that life works, but truth is the skeletal system. And so a lot of times if we've been trying to escape that truth, not trying to get it to admit to ourselves, it can be super painful. And so when that pain does arise, we use these different coping mechanisms that until we learn how are usually unhealthy and not healthy coping mechanisms. And what happens is we don't reach enough pain to get ourselves to actually move and to, and to be motivated and to get out. And so we're always in like, you're in pain, numb yourself. You don't feel that much pain, then that pain rises again, numb yourself with whatever, substance, in some, uh, an emotion, feeling angry, trying to beat up someone. Like there's a variety of ways that we are addicted to doing these kinds of things. And so mm. that's, that's what I think get, stops most people. Yeah. And so then you, also, dude, that's incredible. Yeah. Keep going. I have to say one thing. Yeah. yeah so going. I think, I think, I think the other side of this, and I don't think these are separated. I think that these are very much connected. I think the other half of why people don't get out of this or why maybe someone doesn't um, recover from like a mental health problem is biochemistry. And I think that, you know, when you look at it, like going back to talking about the modern world, we're so disconnected from nature. We are so, like right now, you and I are sitting inside of these boxes that we've created that separate us from the world. The wind, the cold, the snow, it don't matter, right? And so that's awesome, right? And we have the heat on, we have lights on, doesn't matter if it's night or dark. Um, And so, we separate ourselves so much from the environment, but our brain has been working with nature and with the environment on a feedback loop for literally thousands of years. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, like literally pretty soon over like, you know, the industrial revolution and past that, we've just started to live this way as humans. And so I think because of that, the biochemical sig- signer, uh, signatures and markers that direct us through life in our brain are off. They are not connected anymore. They are not coherent with each other. Like a common example of this is, you know, back then we used to walk around, we used to move all the time. That's the way that we existed. But now, like, I'm sitting down looking at this moving picture that has your face on it. <laughs> and, right, and, and, and as a result of that, that's increased human productivity beyond measure. Like, we're doing insane things now. That's great. But also, um, 
we used to walk around all the time. And so exercise, everyone knows it's good for you. But then again, a lot of us will like wake up in the morning, go to the gym for like an hour and then just come back and sit down all day and not move. And so when you think about it that way, that is like as much as of course, exercising every day is helpful for you for sure. We were not meant to do a concentrated amount of exercise for one hour. And then, and then all of a sudden just like sit down the entire day. Right. And so I think we need to be just more connected with like how we move. Like that's why, you know, on podcasts, for example, the ones that are not video, the ones that are just audio, which is like about half of them, I do them on my phone and I just walk around. And so Mm. I'm always trying to think of ways of how to exercise and improve biochemically because if you don't, you know, uh, I think humans are like dogs in the sense of what happens when you don't take your dog for a walk. Your dog starts to freak out. It starts to bark everywhere. It starts to run up. We're just like that. And so if you don't move the human animal, you know, I remember when um, I remember when uh, I was interviewing the co-founder of Netflix and he was telling me one of the things that he tries to do is he tries to run the human animal on like a hamster wheel. And he realizes that our body has just evolved with nature through our mind and, and nature connection to just do things that almost like we have to satisfy on an animalistic side just because of biology, because that's just a fact. For and sure. so I'm talking about movement. I'm talking about how you sleep. I'm talking about probably the biggest one is what you eat, your For food sure. and how that interacts with your body. And so I think half of the equation is kind of what we just talked about in terms of, um, you know, not understanding mindset, numbing yourself. And then I think a lot of the times they're very much correlated. And then I think the other half of the equation is your biochemistry. Yeah. So I think that's what stops. Dude, those are super insightful answers. Things that I've thought about, but never pieced together like that. And I love how you talked about that because Totally, dude. Yeah, freaking love it, dude. I totally agree. Like, I think that we're about as far from possible as how humans were made to live. And, yeah. and I love it, dude. I, I totally agree. Like, I, in my own life, have been exploring, exploring with, like, plant-based diets and, like, Wim Hof's, like, crazy cold baths and, like, all these different things because I'm trying to figure out, like, what, what will how can you reconnect yourself to yeah like a human to being human and it's funny like that was actually the second name of my podcast that i was considering was going to be called being human because i was like what is mm. what is that what does that mean and how do we and i know yours is humans 2.0 so like i think we're, we're, we're we have a similar mindset at that and i do those yeah, can are, i ask you a question go for it bro are you are you 100 percent plant-based uh i'm like 98 it's been about i started after thanksgiving the monday after and uh I've had meat maybe twice. Both times I had it though, it was like wild caught venison or, um, nice. or at a buddy's cabin when there was really no other option besides eating what they had. But um, I'm just intrigued, bro. I, like there's been all this yeah. stuff going on. And for me, it's like a longevity. It's well, the argument that I've heard is that like when you dive into it, it's not only the mere fact that you're transitioning away from animal products. Also the fact you're becoming way more mindful of your consumption. You're Mm. just, you're way more aware of what you're putting into your body. And like, I've been learning, like everybody's low in B12, everybody's low in D vitamin D3. Like, and you learn these things, right. And you start to like, there it is B12. See, you start to learn this stuff and then you start to become, okay, like this is like, I'm improving this. And then that leads to you like thinking about other ways you can improve other areas of your life. And so I think it's like a compounding effect of like making one choice to dive into it. And then also for me, it's like a longevity thing. Like I'm, most interested in how do I not be like 70 years old with like dementia or Alzheimer's or heart disease or cancer. And like, again, there's no like 100% certainty that animal products cause these things, but there's like a reasonable argument that it does. And so I'm like, you know what, let's, let's explore. Let's see, maybe in 10 years, evidence comes out the other way. Maybe in 10 years, evidence comes out saying like, yo, keep staying away. So, so yeah, yeah, dude, I've been doing it for about 80 days now, maybe. Yeah, actually almost like 90, yeah, 80, 90 days. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's always great to, to experiment. And you know, the reason why I ask is because, um, you know, my, my personal belief and, um, you know, like, like you kind of said of what study proves what, um, you know, my personal belief is this, I think that, you know, you could be ripped on a plant-based diet for sure. I mean, there's no, there's no question in terms of like that whole protein thing and, and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but I also think that the data is heavily skewed in terms of just factoring like 
how do you define one person in one group in terms of for like sure. for sure so you know what i mean and so it's for like sure. so people will say that like if you eat animals um you, this will happen to you you'll get heart disease because of this but then yeah. when you look at the data it's like this is just the standard american diet this is someone eating like hamburgers and hot dogs mcdonald's and, and <laughs> yeah and like and processed meats and different things that mm-hmm. we know we should not be eating for and sure. so for me like when it relates back to this book, I talk about it and it's like this. My opinion is from a mental health standpoint, I would not recommend going on a 100% plant-based diet. Hmm, and the reason that. is because when you actually look at the science, like there was, a, there was a study done in France that took a sample size of 130,000 people and actually monitored their diets. And they found that in the different groups they tested and it was one of them was kind of like a like a like a kind of a paleo which was vegetables fruits just a ton of natural things yeah and then also eating uh fish some kind like different things like eggs some kinds of like sustainably raised red meats and things like that for sure and then they took other groups like um vegetarians and they took vegans and then they took plant-based yeah and they showed that people who did not eat any animal products had a potential increase in mental health Hmm. problems and so when you look at it you know i think that similar to like the environment and similar to um, nature and how our brains made these connections. I mean, for sure. Are there some people in the world that should be on a 100% plant-based diet? Maybe. Are there people that should not be on a plant-based diet because we know that nature has kind of just connected these different things for our brain? So, you know, I think that if you can get, like you said, like a sustainably raised, uh, grass fed, Mm -hmm. Um, through done like through a legitimate farm that regenerates over time and knows how to use the ecosystem that is the best case scenario in my opinion for sure you know for like sure. those things are great like those foods are just chalked with a ton of micronutrients and fats that i think make some animal products and some animal fats unique however sure. at the same time it's for like sure. we also know that there's a ton of studies that prove if you eat a ton of protein, for example, you do have an increased chance at dying early. And so if you're, you know, maybe I think for sure we should maybe go away from the idea that you should be eating like, you know, kind of like, like a Freddie Flintstone, like massive <laughs> hunk of meat yeah, with like, with like a carrot and like one <laughs> little potato. One so lettuce I definitely, on top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I definitely agree in terms of that, but I definitely think that for me in terms of, you know, I wrote this book, a ton of it was based on science. A lot of it's on biochemistry. A lot of it's on food. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely vouch for animal, some animal products that are sustainably raised too. Cool. Because it's also like this, like when I also look at other problems like the environment, for example, um, there's a massive issue when it comes to, you know, us, um, you know, slaughtering, you know, hundreds of millions of for sure. um, really for sure. poorly treated animals in, in, in factories and little boxes every single day. And that literally destroys the environment. And it also makes people sick. For and sure. so, you know, if you eat processed meat a ton, especially things like um, chicken and pork that are not like from a legitimate good farm that are well-raised, for sure, I definitely think you have an increased rate at maybe getting sicker, for sure not being as healthy. Yeah. Um, and then also at the same time, when you just look at like the carbon footprint, um, it, it's, you know, honestly, the industrial animals is one part, but the bigger part is all of the other industrial farming that needs to happen to feed those animals, yeah. like to grow, to grow plants like soy, wheat, corn, all these things at an insane level that end up destroying the environment, destroy the soil. And when you look at it and like you look at the carbon footprint, you know, there are things that cause emissions and there are also things that we can do that can decrease emissions and remove carbon from the environment. And you look at it like grass fed animals on a farm with that are um, farmed properly, that literally removes carbon from the environment because it recycles the soil and it makes for a healthier place. And so, Mm -hmm. I think that honestly, like food is a major aspect 
of biochemistry and also our society yeah. to that influence that influences us so so much and i think i think food addiction too runs rampant whether you're whether you eat, eat animals or whether you don't whether you're plant-based like i remember like you know oreos are vegan you know but it's like, yeah. it, it doesn't matter right in yeah. terms of from a, if you look at it from a health perspective and so yeah you can um, eat you can eat like shit and be a vegan like it's yeah, it yeah. either or <laughs> it runs both ways and so i think that there's a lot of food addiction going sure. along and For a lot sure. of eating disorders that have happened because of this food addiction yeah. i mean we're now in a spot in our lives where you know people could design foods by you know brewing something together by taking a piece of bread and sticking something in the middle. But I mean, now we can literally create new chemicals. We can make the most processed, pasteurized, uh, artificially created foods that, yeah. you know, when we put on our body, there can be damaging side effects to that. And, you know, one of the things that I talk about in my book is, you know, if you look at mental health and you look at sort of the brain chemicals, the things that are happening underneath, a key neurotransmitter comes up in the conversation of serotonin. Yep. You know, all medications are target this receptor serotonin. Um, and also it's also talked about in like leadership and like culture and organization mm -hmm. and teams um, and entrepreneurship and stuff. And so when you look at it and you look at our body and you look at our entire system, serotonin was believed to, because it's a neurotransmitter to be predominantly in our brain. Turns out only five to 10% of serotonin is in the brain. It turns out 90 to 95% of serotonin is not in the brain and it's in the gut it's microbiome, the gut. Yep. which is, which <laughs> is like the this kombucha movement's going crazy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> which is this vast, which is this vast ecosystem yeah. of bacteria that, I have evolved through thousands of years to create a symbiotic relationship with humans that have enabled us to become the number one species on this planet. Like when you eat a food, when you put something in your mouth, your gut microbiome is the one that processes that first and then hands it off to your body. I mean, people don't even know we even have a, a microbiome in our mouth. We have an oral microbiome. And so when you look at it, what you eat, and what, how your body digests and processes it heavily, heavily impacts mental health. And here's the thing. It's not that simple. Let me throw a left curveball at you, dude. I should not be drinking kombucha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, why? It's because this. Um, I got my gut microbiome tested. Okay. And you can get your gut microbiome tested um, through uh, this technology originally that was invented by the u.s military licensed out by this organization called the viome and you can get your gut tested and it will tell you what's going on in your gut because this is the craziest part dude hmm. going back to what i told you about when i was suicidal and when i was super depressed the section in my book where i talk about that is called first my gut broke and then my brain broke so when I gained a ton of weight, I was over 200 pounds because I was eating a ton of this crappy food more than I ever have in my life. And I was also stressed out too. You know, I believe that my gut broke. They call that um, being in dysbiosis. So if an organism is working together with another species, they call that symbiosis. Like I said, if it's in dysfunction, it's called dysbiosis. And so I believe my gut was in dysbiosis, which led me to having really, really negative mental health issues. I mean, I've never been suicidal previously up to that point. And so when you look at that and you look at just how complex things are, uh, Viome told me that when I got my gut tested, it told me that I should not be drinking kombucha because just in the state that my gut is in, um, it's not about introducing that specific kind of bacteria that kombucha mm. has for me right now. And that's the craziest part. There is no such thing as a universal healthy diet. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, for sure. There are fundamentals like don't eat anything processed. Don't eat anything um, artificial. Just stick to natural things. Mm -hmm. Don't eat fried food. Watch the, like the quality of the food, things along those nature. Um, but there is no such thing as universal healthy diet. You know, do not eat, do not eat the standard American diet. If you eat the standard American diet, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, bro. I mean, that was my and there big, are countless, 
yeah, and there are countless studies that show like not only like do you have poor mental health, but also like you look at regions of the brain. It's been scientifically 100% proved that if you eat junk food, which mm-hmm. is a standard American diet, um, you have a much smaller hippocampus, which stores your memory, which is yep. also correlated in a lot of other mental health things. I mean, I could hit you with a thousand yeah, things, right. but it's so connected and it's, it's the truth. Dude, I'm, I, I just got to say, first off, I told people here a second ago, but I'm super stoked. I heard. Book, honestly, yeah. super stoked. Um, but number Thank two, you. yeah, like I think that's my conclusion from this. And, you know, again, this is why I don't advertise a plant-based diet or I'm not out there like pushing for it. For me, it's like, I learned that what 99% of people do isn't good. So I'm going to go for like <laughs> right. the cleanest possible approach that I see right now. And then from conversations like this and more information I get in books I read, then work my way towards what I think is the best for me. And I think that's another point you hit it is like for sure, whole foods diet, natural foods, but then figure out what works best for your body. You can do DNA tests. You can do gut biome tests, all this shit. This is incredible, dude. Let's move on to another topic because I know that we have a few more things I want to get to. We talked about this idea of kind of like there's, there's this pleasure world we live in. You use that to fight your pains and you know, you think that you have to almost, how do you like in that, in that process here and answer this one kind of quick, cause it's, I have a follow-up question, but you know, how do you get somebody to break out of that pleasure loop? Cause like step one is like, you have to mm. almost allow yourself to feel the pain or like, you know, what is yeah. that? What is that? Yeah. yeah. Get yourself out so I'll of tell you too. Yes. Yeah, so this is it, man. So, um, so literally, um, on your podcast, you did a book review, uh, man search for meaning, yep. uh, book by Victor Frankl. He also has this other quote. Um, and he says something along the lines of if someone is not moving towards their meaning and purpose, they will be addicted to mind numbing pleasure. And so I think the biggest thing that you need to realize is like literally just a reason for living. What is your purpose? Um, what is, um, what is your meaning? Like, what are you doing all this for? You know, because until you have that, it can be pretty unmotivating to realize it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a variety of different ways someone can do around this. But for me, like it kind of goes back to what we talked about, like the beginning of, you know, my parents coming from Egypt. And I remember when I was kind of like going through my transformation in 2016, I remember I went to Egypt. I traveled there with my family. Awesome. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I went there and, you know, Egypt had been getting out of a, a few revolutions, like out of their country and their government uh, from the Arab Spring. And, you know, they're not, it wasn't in turmoil, but it was just sort of like just getting back on his feet. And so, you know, I sort of saw a lack of opportunity there. My cousins were telling me like, you know, young guys our age, they don't really have jobs. I mean, just a variety of issues. Um, I remember I ended up going to this monastery there. And I remember like going there, it was like literally the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it blew my mind. And I remember like, I think it was six months after that trip, as I was like right in the heat of kind of like my own transformation journey and just kind of finding out who I was. I remember I, you know, somebody texted me and there was this, there was news and it turned out that um, in Egypt, ISIS had bombed that monastery. And so I remember seeing like this video of just like the same exact place where I stood of just like people's body parts, little kids, the craziest thing ever. And I just, I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like for all I know, like, you know, I could have been in that position. And like in Egypt, they have, um, they have mandatory conscription. And so young guys, after you leave school, you have to go into the army. You have to. And so I just began thinking, I'm like, man, I would not have access to the opportunities and all the amazing things that I've been able to do if my parents did not take that leap of faith for me, giving me an opportunity when I didn't even know them and they didn't even know me. And so I'm like, wow, like that's an insane thing. And so that for me was like the beginning spark for me to kind of like, uh, like understand kind of like the meaning of life and what's worth doing things. And then I began to sort of develop my own and I began to realize that like, holy crap, like I got out of something that not everyone gets out of, which is suicide, being suicide ideation. Like I said, 800,000 people commit suicide, Uh, 40% of the world. 
uh, is shy and could potentially have social anxiety. And so when I look at the things that I've got out of, it's like, holy crap, like there are a lot of people out there that need help. And it's sometimes you have to get outside of yourself. Sometimes you have to realize that it's not just about you. You know what I mean? And it's just like, as you and I are talking right now, just talking about life and having the privilege to do so. I mean, there's someone right now that's like being shot. That's like trying to run away. You know what I mean? Like there's just a thousand different scenarios. Yeah. And so I think when you look at the world that way and it's like, you're not like just some random thing here on accident. Like you were actually created to be here for a reason. And then when I think about all the things that I do today, like what you were saying before of the podcast, the Amazon Prime documentary series, the book, all these interviews, all the things that I talk about, I don't think there's any coincidence. The fact that now I speak about these things, I speak internationally on stages about you know a lot of these deep things about my life. I don't think there's any coincidence between that and the fact that I was super socially anxious for a decade of my life and I couldn't speak my mind and I couldn't talk to anybody. And so that is what it's all about, man. Like you find your purpose, you find your meaning in your pain. If you can go after that then and be connected with just like what matters Mm -hmm. and what's bigger than you, then I think that's a, that's a roadmap to beginning to open your mind to this. And dude, this is the thing. And this is the last thing I have to say and I have to leave. In my book, at the end of every single chapter, there are exercises for people to do to find these things out, to figure it out. And of course, there's only so much you can learn from a book. But what I've done is I've tried my best for this to be a roadmap, to be a guide towards someone being able to help themselves. So that's what I would say. Check out my book, Screw Being Shy. Get on my website, Metry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com. And yeah, man, this is a great podcast, bro. Dude, hell yeah, man. Well, yeah, dude, I'll have to get you on another time. I got so many more questions, but I appreciate all the stuff we talked about, man. This is some real, some real shit. And uh, keep doing your thing, bro. I'm excited to keep following along and, and being a part of a, being a part of the movement, bro. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to this interview with Mark Metry. It was one of the most enjoyable interviews I've had to date, sitting down and talking with another fellow young entrepreneur and growth-minded individual who has an amazing story and really has a lot to share with the world. And so if you want to follow Mark and his journey, he shares content daily on all social platforms. Check him out, whatever one you are on, or check out his podcast, Humans 2.0. And lastly, feel free to grab a copy of his book, Screw Being Shy. I put the link to that book in the show notes so you can easily grab a copy if you want. After two days uh, listed on Amazon, it was already a bestseller. So definitely check it out. I purchased a copy myself and plan on reading it soon. And finally, a call to action that I have from this interview with Mark is for people to sit down and really reevaluate their diet. Given the fact that 90 to 95% of the serotonin is created in our microbiome, this means that the saying we are what we eat is truly correct. And so it's time to start going towards a whole foods diet, eliminate the processed foods, eliminate the bullshit, Eliminate your standard American diet and you will truly start to feel better. You will move better. You will live better. And that's my call to action for people. It's not an easy thing to do, but sit down and truly think about how the food you are putting in your body is impacting your well-being and impacting your dreams. And so we learned a lot here today about what we can do to make our dreams a reality. And now we just have to go out and do it. I'll see you next time. 